Another U.S. men's national team player is on the move. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Backheeled Show. My name is Joe Lowry, and on today's episode, we're diving into Christian Pulisic's move to AC Milan. We'll talk about where Pulisic will likely feature for Pioli and Milan, and how he fits into the team. We'll also dive into some of Pulisic's comments after making the move, and we'll talk about the USMNT crashing out of the Gold Cup in the semifinals after losing to Panama in penalty kicks on Wednesday night. All of that in just 10 minutes or less, because here at Backheeled, we believe that just because soccer games are 90 minutes long doesn't mean that soccer podcasts have to be. So let's get to it and talk soccer. This has been big news on Thursday. Today, as I'm recording on July 13th, it's Christian Pulisic's move to AC Milan. Pulisic said, for me, this is a quote, it was very clear once I had the conversation with everyone here at Milan, I think this is where I want to be and this is the right next step for me. This move was confirmed today on Thursday and I think Christian Pulisic and Milan are basically a match made in heaven. After swapping Chelsea in the Premier League for Milan in Serie A, the 24-year-old USMNT winger is primed to fill a huge area of need in Stefan Pioli's front line. That's AC Milan manager Stefan Pioli. In the Champions League last season, AC Milan make a deep, deep run. The Italian Giants desperately missed a player to balance their attack opposite of Rafael Liao. Rafael Liao, he scored 16 goals last year, but none of Milan's other wingers or attacking midfielders added more than seven goals in all competitions. They were extremely left-side dominant Milan, both in the Champions League and also in games against lower-quality Serie A teams. They struggled to find balance and to give themselves a threat on the opposite side to keep opposing defenses honest. Enter Christian Pulisic. The U.S. forward can slot right into his new team on the right wing, a spot that I think he's very well-suited to play, even though we often see him on the left side for the U.S., He'll add speed and smart off-ball movement and more goal threat and a whole lot of dribbling. He'll give them another really vertical, searingly fast player in the front line opposite of Liao. All of the attributes that Pulisic brings, the things I just mentioned, are going to be welcome in Milan. Milan averaged 60% possession against teams last season in the bottom half of Serie A. So the hope is Pulisic comes in and he can give them more attacking thrust in those kinds of games. And he can also help them in more tradition-heavy games, in big games in the Champions League or against other teams that are also contending to finish high up the Serie A table, whether it's against a bottom feeder in the league or a Champions League foe or an Italian giant, Pulisic should just give Milan a little bit more quality. They struggled at times last year to create chances. They were third in non-penalty expected goals per 90 minutes in Italy last year with 1.45. They were well behind Inter Milan, who finished with 1.70 non-penalty expected goals per 90 minutes. And they were also a little bit behind Napoli, who finished second in the league in this metric, according to FB Ref, with 1.49 non-penalty XG per 90 minutes. The idea with Pulisic is very simple. He'll be on the right wing a lot. We might see him underneath a striker if Pioli opts to stick with the 4-2-3-1 shape that we saw for much of last season. But we'll see him most likely on the right side, trying to, one, distract from Rafael to give him more space on the other side, and two, to find his game, getting the ball in his right foot, driving to the end line, getting in the box, scoring goals. I really like this move for Christian Pulisic. It's made sense for a long time, and it makes sense without a doubt for him at this stage in his career. The Chelsea move, 
turned out to be a bit of a bust for Pulisic. Right after coming through Dortmund, Chelsea felt like the next step, and it just never worked out. It was always too crowded. It was always going to be difficult for him to break through, and injuries were a real problem. If Pulisic can stay healthy in Milan, the competition is not the same. It's not the same at all. He absolutely has the inside track to getting real minutes this season for as long as he's healthy. Milan will have a lot of games between leagues and cups. There will be no shortage of opportunities for Pulisic to make his mark. And if he stays healthy, I am very confident that he will. Now, Christian Pulisic is not the only big U.S. player moving. Pulisic said on Thursday, quote, it's a big summer for a lot of the guys, for sure. You want to find the right place for you. And a number of different U.S. players have already done that. Pulisic is one, moving to Milan. Tim Weah moving to Juventus in Serie A is another. Ricardo Pepe moving to PSV is another in that list. Brendan Aronson moving to Union Berlin on loan from Leeds United. And from what I hear, it sounds like Yunus Musa's move to Milan is close Other folks are talking about that as well. It seems like we're going to have a number of different Americans moving to Syria this season, which is going to be exciting and fun to watch for us on the other side of the Atlantic. Pulisic, to close out this section before we talk Gold Cup, also had this to say, sort of tying a nice little bow on the player movement concept for the U.S. this summer. He said, quote, I think if we can get a lot of our players and myself feeling good and in top form heading into these big events, by which she's talking about the Copa America and the World Cup coming up in 2026, He said, quote, I think it's only going to help the national team, and it's going to be great for me here in Milan as well. I'm excited for this Christian Pulisic in Syria era. I think it makes a lot of sense for all parties involved. Now, before we close, let's talk about the U.S. men's national team at the Gold Cup. Losing a heartbreaker to Panama in penalty kicks, it's Coco Carasquilla that hits a phenomenal strike to send Panama through to the final against Mexico. Panama, in large part, were the better team in this game. The U.S. struggled to create chances. They struggled to really impose themselves, which has been the theme for them all throughout this competition, right? It wasn't the first-choice players, the Polisics, the Weas, the Aronsons, and Musas. They were allowed to go on vacation and go and sort out their next steps in their club careers, and that has clearly paid off for a lot of these players making big moves, but it meant that we were seeing a B group of players for the U.S. men's national team, and the reality is that group couldn't win this region, and that's fine. It's not ideal, of course, but it's fine and not the sky is falling kind of moment that we often try to make U.S. losses into. The fact that they lost to Panama and were just one of the four best teams of this tournament is probably a fair reflection of where this U.S. team is relative to some other teams and the talent that someone like Mexico brought to this competition in Panama and Jamaica. It's not the end of the world. The real question, though, for this Gold Cup was always going to be Can the U.S. and interim manager B.J. Callahan identify players who can help the full group when they're playing together in friendlies in the fall, in the Copa America next summer, ahead of the World Cup in 2026? Which players can stand out and really show that they belong with that group and that they're better than the B team? For me, I had a lot of expectations for Alejandro Zendejas, Club America winger, who's been with the first choice group before and was with them in the Nations League. And I had expectations for Georgi Mihaljevic. Both of those players I thought would show well and showed that they belonged with the first-choice group. Neither one of them really did that. Zendayas didn't play against Panama, dealing with a little bit of an injury, and he struggled a lot in games that he was available for prior to this semifinal against Panama. Georgie started this game against Panama, and it was fine. Good arriving in the box, had a couple of nice bright moments, drawing fouls, but never truly looked dominant or assertive in midfield, and that was a little bit of a disappointment. I still would like to see more of Georgie going forward. Zendayas, I've cooled on quite a bit at this point, but... Georgie is somebody that I would like to see less because of how good he was in this competition. He wasn't that good and more because of what we've seen him do in the past at club level. So Georgie is, is still in a little bit of a weird space. 
But James Sands is a player that I think has earned at least discussion around being a backup number six option for Tyler Adams with the full choice group, if that's how Greg Peralter chooses to allocate roster spots and bringing essentially an extra number six. James Sands, I thought, was good for the most part in this competition. Breaking up plays, winning challenges, making smart defensive reads. He was mixed on the ball, as James Sands often is, but I thought showed a bit more good than bad. I'm impressed by what Sands showed, especially after a rough European stint. He's been good for NYCFC upon his return to Major League Soccer, but it was comforting to see him really impact the game for the U.S. after appearing in just one World Cup qualifier ahead of the 2022 World Cup. So James Sands is someone I've got my eye on. Dewan Jones is maybe another option here as far as a backup left back goes. I think he's got still a lot of work to do to beat out the possibility of using Serginho Dest or Joe Scally as Jedi Robinson's backup and essentially giving the U.S. another player in another part of the field. Jones is not a shoe-in, but he is somebody that I thought showed fairly well across games at this tournament. We'll see what his future in red, white, and blue looks like outside of the New England Revolution that I'm just now realizing also wear a lot of red, white, and blue. Altogether, not the most explosive Gold Cup campaign for the U.S. and not a ton of players that really are jumping up and down and saying, pick me, pick me with their performances. But it's in the books now. The Gold Cup is over and it is full steam ahead for a lot of these players back into Major League Soccer or to a European move or getting back embedded in their European clubs and trending towards the fall friendlies. That's it for this episode of The Backheel Show. If you enjoyed, you can scroll up or down here on The Backheel Show feed or go check out backheel.com and subscribe. For now, we'll talk to you again real soon.